Welcome to Amplify. We're the show that will help you take your message, whatever it may be, and get it out through social media, networking, and other marketing channels. Maybe even some that you've never thought of. Whether you're an organization, small or large business, or you just have the next positive message that's sure to go viral, you'll want to stay tuned this hour. Now, here's your host, Ken Rashad. Welcome, welcome. We are here live in D.C. It's a beautiful day. Looking out my window, the Capitol and Washington Monument are looking like they're ready to be photographed yet again. Mm-hmm. How are you, Andrea? I am hunky-dory. Looks like uh, Facebook and Live are having a little challenge, but we will get that moving so people can see us live right in the moment today. <laughs> I get it. Well, And better today than tomorrow, right? Well, you know, and if we have to do tomorrow, tomorrow's better than never, right? <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yes, I think. Yeah, that is definitely true. (laughs) Hey, we have some sponsors uh, that I'd like you to identify. And I would love to. And I'd like to add USC today. All right. So we would like to thank our sponsors. We have Voice America Influencers Channel, The Umbrella Syndicate, The Red Carpet Connection, Perfect Publishing, Amplifluence, and The Ultimate Speaker Challenge. We also have menfashion.com which i do this but i mean ken's shirt and i'm blending and and mymakeuplady.com and we want to remind you to love on www.thekeepsmilingmovement.org where we save lives with smiles by creating a dose of hope to be resilient no matter the challenge your donations help us publish books create awareness and we also do things like meditation and hypnosis and referrals and help people with other special projects so we can put smiles back on people's faces we should we could practically do a book on all the people that have connected with us on the show that have made a donation and where that donation went and the smiles they created and what was what was the other oh and all the things that happened as a result of that. I love it. <laughs> so how was your weekend? My weekend is good. I'm right now trying to get us up and live right now. My weekend's been fab. I don't even remember my weekend. Oh, my weekend was spent on Amplified. I spent almost the entire week going through shows, figuring out all the different pieces and parts. And, you know, I didn't realize how much goes into producing the show until I actually have been chronicling everything that takes place. And it's wackadoodle amazing what happens to get you up and live and to get everybody seeing how amazing amazing uh these people are our guests are in the world and what we bring to amplify their worlds <laughs> well I think how i felt because i read the transcripts and they <laughs> included a little over eight thousand us and ums and i was like wow do i uh say um mm, so many times i mean that was insane i do oh i do mm-hmm. and <laughs> The transcriptions are going to turn into the gold nuggets. Thank you very much for saying that. Yep. Amplified gold nuggets for those of you who are wondering. Uh, I I had to laugh. We just went live and my facial expression is this. (laughs) I always got to love how that always, it doesn't tell you exactly when to capture the moment. So we'll have a a fun giggle when people are seeing this live. (laughs) Normally when someone says live and they take the picture, I'm more like, And it's very awkward because I was thinking about something really very epiphanical. And it says, yeah. 
Yeah. So when we're uh, pondering, we get that loveliness. Well, Ken, is there any events that we need to share um, that are coming up in your world? Uh, yes, we have the 11th annual Arts and Author Extravaganza coming up on the 21st in New Jersey. And they pick New Jersey to accommodate Marilyn Morales. <laughs> who, by the way, is our guest today. We'll be introducing her shortly. Um, I also want to let people know that there is uh, Back Home Patriots is going to be doing an event October 7th. If you'd like to be part of that gala, Bootsy Collins is emceeing that. I will be there. Uh, so that's taking place. And then Austin Haynes has Flashpoint. Uh, will be represented there for the Keep Smiling movement as well. And what dates that- are those things? 7th, 8th, and 9th of October for Flashpoint. They'll be doing the Rocky Steps that you just And, and what about. about the other one? That's October 7th in Cincinnati, Ohio. And then there is an event called the 3E Network, and Keep Smiling will be represented there September 29th and 30th in Palm Springs, California. And then there's some other things in between, but they're not completely uh, confirmed yet, so... Yeah, but not everything can be confirmed at this point. <laughs> That's what keeps everything moving. So, yes, keep it moving. So Kenny um, actually became a genius beyond oh, his geniusness this week. Tell me about this. What does that mean? That means that he did the Genius Network, uh, well, the Genius in 21 Days, and he learned how to take pi to 45 digits beyond pi, and he learned the 20 amendments of the Constitution. And all these things he learned in minutes, and he glues them in his mind so he can actually bring them to conversation, bring them to proof. He's he's actually learning French right now in 21 days, and now he's going to learn the periodic tables so it really sticks in his mind. We're going to play a game called hydrogen, helium, lithium, beryllium. We're going to go back and forth, and we switch spots so that we can just kind of throw chemicals at each other. Not not physically chemicals, but more. Yeah, that could be dangerous. <laughs> well, it can, it, some, when you get to plutonium, it can be really bad. Yeah. Yeah, maybe We've so. We've lost it's a lot of people. That probably, probably expensive and difficult True. to probably yeah. go to jail. And Lots also, you have gold, and it hits you in the eye the wrong way, and not good. Gold dust. That's really uncomfortable. I just watched a gold dust, a gold mining show this morning by accident. (laughs) So yes, gold can be dangerous if you inhale it or get it in your eye. Well, I'm really impressed that he's doing that. And I know that you've been doing a lot with him to help him really excel in the world. Yes, indeed. Well, you know, that's kind of what a dad does. Not all dads. Yeah. Okay. So (laughs) your son's very fortunate to have you. And I'm fortunate to have him because honestly, without him, I wouldn't be a dad. That's true. <laughs> I I always thank him every day. I'm like, thanks for being my son because without you, I wouldn't be a dad. And he's like, all right, all right. I heard that before. I'm like, yeah. okay, well, next time I'm going to take it. <laughs> well, I love that. Would you like me to go ahead and introduce Marilyn now? Actually, um, I, I would not. Um, this is weird, but I, I actually want to wait two more seconds. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> 
few more seconds. All right. Well, uh, she has been asked to turn on her camera and her video. Because I want so her to come you- on at 1111. That's, that's the big Ah, thing. well, that's a really good time to come on. So Marilyn Morales is a board-certified holistic registered nurse. She has over 30 years experience in the healthcare field, and she's originally from Brooklyn, New York, and she's been calling New Jersey her home since 2004. And on 9-11, September 11th in 2001, she was one of the hundreds of public health nurses who experienced the tragedy of 9-11, and that was the start of her journey in the world of PTSD. And then there was a series of events that she'll be sharing with us, including the diagnosis diagnosis and the loss of her youngest daughter, Isabella, to a rare leukemia. And to heal herself from the grief and trauma, she went on a path of self-healing and discovery. She's now the author of an upcoming book that'll be released in January. It's called When the Answer is No, finding purpose through pain. And her passion is education, teaching other people how to heal and move forward from the emotional traumas of grief and PTSD. And she also strives to carry on Isabella's legacy by shedding light on the need for more Hispanics, Blacksmith, mixed ethnicity for um, individuals to to register for Be The Match National Bone Marrow Registry, which is a true passion of hers. I'm so excited to have Marilyn on. There's so much more she can cover about things in the world, controversies of 9-11, COVID, health, uh, wellness, so many things. I'm so glad to have her here. Marilyn, welcome to us. (laughs) Amplified. Good morning. Good morning. And thank you for having me here today. I appreciate it. Mm -hmm. And by the way, big props to the fact that you're on the board. What board are you on? I'm board certified in holistic nursing. I thought you meant the board behind her. No, that's what I mean. I do mean that. And <laughs> oh, this? <laughs> <yes>. <laughs> no, but I will never forget that you're on the board of that because of your background. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. So, you know a guy named Christoph, right? I do. I do. And I feel like he's one of the biggest reasons we're on the show together. Absolutely. I was just a part of the ultimate speaker competition in Philadelphia. And it was mm-hmm. my first time on stage. First time. And you, and you, you actually could have done a mic drop. <laughs> you did great. Thank you. I appreciate that. You it know, was nerve wracking. So Christoph Wyman has an event called the Ultimate Speaker Competition. And it attracts, I think, some of the most heart-centered servant leaders in the United States. I don't know about the planet yet. Like my son asked me questions like, am I the smartest kid in the world? And I said, I I haven't met them all. So I don't know that answer yet, but (laughs) you are one of the smartest that I know in this geographic area. And so I will just say that Christoph has his gift of attracting really amazing heart-centered leaders. Would you agree with that? I totally agree with that. Everyone that I met there, completely heart-centered, wanting to make a difference in the world. And uh, to take it a step beyond that, two steps, they're servant leaders and take it one more step beyond that. They're very skilled. They have real stories that could be actually pivotal, influential, and ripple effect because of the skills they have. Would you agree? Absolutely. Amazing stories. Yes. And so the caliber of the people are there, but also they're, I mean, Raja with six six black belts and and he was he threatened me because he said if you don't say six and you say five i will take my ninja sword and you will not be <laughs> absolutely <laughs> but, love raja yeah and, and people like raja are people that their message is so important that 
a lot of stuff was happening for him, and yet he was there. That's right. Do you know what, you know what I call that? A no. priority. Because I'm actually really examining a word that it, it troubles me, bothers me, that it sets so many people into sabotage mode. And the word is busy. And busy can be trauma. It can be excuses. It can be low-level, I don't want to do this. But it's not a, a real true word. And Raja really inspired me that weekend. You did too, but just so we're clear. But Raja really showed up as a person that was really in conflict. That's right. Listen, Raja inspired me completely. We've had many conversations since then during the competition, mm -hmm. inspired me, calmed me, you know, <clears throat> helped me along the way. So I know exactly what you're talking about. Yes. So I, I just want to identify that because you're on the show because you're a priority. And we only have 52 shows minus the holidays, maybe 48 a year. And they're valued at X amount with publicity and everything. I mean, it can be, it can be a game changer if you add it into the puzzle of someone committed. In other words, if someone wasn't committed to what they're doing, this is just a blip that no one cares about. But if it's a, if it's, a, a campaign that causes people to say, wow, she keeps showing up in the best shows and she's in Dose of Hope and she's all these things. Like it's not one variable, but it's like seven to 21, probably 21 is more accurate these days. But right. you play big. And I want to I want to tell the audience something that is very important for them to hear. We're moving more to a requirement that people have to share their commitment to hope. They have to share their story of hope. They have to share that they bring hope to the world. And got a very short period of time to react to that. And you're, you're kind of in that very interesting transition we're making that why would we have someone on our show that's not committed to hope if it's about amplifying life of leaders that create community? So I just wanted to commend you for that. You submitted it early, a day early, and you put your heart into it. And I get that you are going to champion whatever you do with hope and inspiration and action. Yes, thank you. This is a, for me, this is a mission. Yes, I can mission. tell. Mm -hmm. And, you know, our show was a little soft before because we were a show that invited really important people, but we didn't actually say, how are they going to go beyond the show? And now we are. It's a, it's a really different uh, commitment. It means that we would be willing to lose a big name to gain a person that's going to move the needle. I share this on the show. I've never shared this on the show before. And you're a person that inspired this conversation. So just take that in that I, I looked at you and I looked at your, I looked at you being on the show. And I said, okay, I really want her to be one of the people that shows me how powerful she is with her mission. And you did, you did. So congratulations. And oh, thank you. we're going to have a great show because of that. Are you Let's ready? Let's do it. Let's do so it. The audience may not know you. I mean, there's 7 billion people in the world and there may be a couple people that don't know you yet. So we're going to, we're going to, we're going to have, <laughs> and by the way, they don't know me either. So if, 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 they, if, you, if you help them learn about you, I might get learned about too, but more importantly, I want to leave a legacy that this show actually amplifies people that make a difference in the world. The crazy ones, the people that say, I'm going to go to ultimate sphere competition. I'm going to step on a stage for the first time. And I'm going to share my story and I'm committed to doing a book and another book and another book. And I'm going to step into my uncertainty and uncomfortable aspect to find my power. That's Is right. that accurate? Absolutely accurate. 
All right. <clears throat> so we have about 10 minutes till break. All right. See you later. <laughs> All right. So in the 10 minutes, we want the audience to learn who you are. The next segment, I want the audience to get your gifts. Can we do that? Absolutely. So you just did the exercise, which is why this uh, big buildup happened. The big buildup is I don't need to ask you if you know your story or if you can share your story because you just did it and does hope. But I will ask you this as a preface real quick. How was that experience doing the template? Emotional, right? Because I had to take myself back to where my story started, and that was as a child. And the things in, in my early childhood that prepared me for what life was going to give me later on. Hmm. So revisiting my past, revisiting the traumas, and revisiting my present were all emotional. So you gave some good cliffhangers there. Thank you. And that's important to denote because so many people go on a show and they, they're not superficial, but they go into the safe area of speaking and not the vulnerable area. And vulnerability, in my opinion, and I've heard it by so, several very clever speakers, uh, very super intelligent speakers, that vulnerability is the new currency. Because when you can be in your heart and share it with your audience, you're actually letting them know that you trust them and they trust you. So right. we're going to go there very soon, but that's why I wanted to applaud you because I know your story is a little harder to tell. Yeah. Okay. So I don't know what without further ado means. Cause I mean, I don't know who do is, I don't know all that stuff, <laughs> but <laughs> we're going to have the audience know who you are. You ready? I'm ready. Okay. So talk about where you're born and what your childhood was like and why that part doesn't show up. In, and I, I want to preface this with saying most people, don't talk about this when they're humble because they just want to make a difference. This is you not being humble, but inspiring. That's the shift. Okay, go for it. Okay. So I was born in Brooklyn, New York. Uh, the, my parents uh, were first time, we don't call them immigrants because Puerto Rico is part of the United States, but they migrated from Puerto Rico to New York just a few years before my birth. Um, I was born in Brooklyn and raised in the projects of Marcy. I, you, you know this history. I don't know this. And maybe my audience says, what, what was the year that Puerto Rico became not an immigrant country? Oh, I don't know that off the top of my head. I apologize for that. No, I no, should. no. Do you know what, do you know what's important is no. we'll know that before the, uh, we'll know that in the second segment. How about that? No, absolutely. Because I already know there's <laughs> someone typing right now to find that out. <laughs> okay. Okay. Go for, continue. Go for it. Right. So uh, the Marcy houses or Marcy projects, as they were called in Bed-Stuy of Brooklyn, were made famous by Jay-Z. Uh, he talks about it all the time in his songs. Uh, he actually was in school at the same time I was in school. So we're in the really? same age range. Yes, give, the absolutely. give the lyrics. <laughs> Come on. You have to do I another can't. search. Yeah, another search. <laughs> okay, another search 1989 was the first answer. Okay. For 1989 was the first year. And by the way, Marilyn. Uh, these aren't zingers. These are just to show you that we care. We care about this knowledge. Okay. So Absolutely. there's never going to be another show that you're on that you, uh, they say, well, when was Puerto Rico not considered an immigrant? Say you go, <laughs> 1989. I mean, come on. Yeah, now I know it. <laughs> <laughs> and I should know it. No, by um, the way, you, you now know it and you're, and you're supposed to know it now. That's all. That's it. That's it. All right. You're awesome. Go ahead. Okay. So just being raised in that environment, and I will tell you, what I tell a lot of people, I didn't even know I was poor. I did not know our family was poor. Why? Because I had a roof over my head, because I had food on the table. I had both parents in the home. 
And I wanted for nothing. And everybody that was around me was just like me. So there was no one pointing a finger saying, uh, your clothes are not designer. Um, <laughs> you know, the things that you eat are not, you know, coming from this store or not. Um, everybody was just like me. But the things that were different were the people who lived there. You know, I, I knew that they were not, I guess, what other people would call um, the worst of the worst. Right. Mm. So involved in criminal activity, dangerous individuals. So you were in that area. I was absolutely wow. living you know, within um, the same building in the same building that I lived in. They were there. So I, I don't normally interrupt this much, but you're causing all kinds of things to be thought of and said, and I, and I just don't have the, the juice to keep track of all of them when there's a break. So um, you were at an event recently, uh, not just Ultimate Seeker, but the one after. Oh, yes. Maryland. Maryland. Yes. At the Cambria Hotel. And Andrea brought you there. The and... Leaders Amped for Change experience. Yes, which is posted. Yeah. I actually didn't. I didn't bring her there. Uh, she was invited by Dana Banks. Dana well, Banks. My point is, she yeah. was brought there through the yeah. conduit of that of that theme. Yeah, and that just confused me. What I was going to say next. Oh shoot! Mm. <laughs> but it was wonderful. It was wonderful. It was wonderful. But there's there's a point. I, I might have to interject it again later. Go ahead. Okay, maybe we were talking about because of the people that lived in the same building that I did were. Oh, yes, yes. So there was a person there. There was a person there that was a comedian. Yes. You remember his name? I don't. Andrea does. Sean Savoy. Savoy, yes. Uh, I think it's French. But anyway, he's been on the circuit a while. And you said, you said, I don't know. I was poor. Right. Mm -hmm. And Sean has convinced me to go to Nottingham's in Columbia, Maryland to actually do my first stand-up this Wednesday. And this is not an about me comment. This is about what you said being more entertaining. Are you ready for this? Ready? I didn't know as a, I didn't know as poor. I couldn't even afford that information. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. God bless. God bless Sean Savoy because he triggered that, um, that I had to say that. So... My point is, you said you were on the stage for the first time, and I don't know how many podcasts you've done, but you have such great information that I think you're a humorous person, and you're a person that laughs at pain, not in a denial standpoint, but to survive it. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I joke about it all the time. I can tell that about you. And this is really like an intuitive sense of you, because we have not talked that much. I mean, what have we talked, like six minutes? Right. If that... If that, if that, and my point is I get your spirit and I think you have amazing humor inside you that you bring into a show, you bring on a stage and you're going to be rocking it. You're going to be a star. People cannot wait to, to connect with you, shake you, hug you, buy your book, et cetera. And I say this on the, on the show live because it's coming to me right now that you, it wasn't an accident that you were at. USC. It wasn't an accident that you were at Cambria. It wasn't an accident that Sean was at that event and you have all these, not humor stories, but absolutely traumatic, crazy stories that with humor, you actually get past them and they, you don't live this dark conversation in your head. You actually live a conversation of hope. Absolutely. Absolutely. I said, if you don't laugh at it, I'll cry. And I yeah. don't like the alternative. Right. And laughing at it is not saying it doesn't exist. It's laughing at it to overcome it and, and say you're more Absolutely. powerful more powerful. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, so continue to educate our, our audience about your childhood. Okay. 
back to where I lived. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the gangsters. The gangsters. Yeah. And I think that that's why I have a little bit of, you know, bite in me, too. <laughs> you know? I was scared of you for the first three minutes. As you should be, as you should be. <laughs> uh, definitely because, you know, my parents instilled in me a survival skill, right? And that survival school is called respect. So because as we walked uh, out of our buildings in and out, those same people that I lear- later learned were murderers that committed these crimes um, were always very pleasant to us and actually looked out for the four of us. My parents mm. had four children. I was a third or fourth. And they looked out for us as we walked through these dangerous areas because my parents were so good to them because they treated them with respect and called them by name. Um, And, you know, they had conversations with their parents and they were like, these people are good people. And because of that, nobody touched these guys because they come from good stock. Hmm. So I didn't know. I didn't know. I, I felt so naive as an adult. I was like, I didn't know color. I didn't know race. I didn't know any of those things. I knew people. And that was a testament to my parents' upbringing, you know, how they brought me up. Um, so learning that, that skill set where I came from of, you know, watching your back and, and, and being kind to others, but, you know, always having this little edge of, you know, there are things around you that are not good because life is not good. Life it comes with many, many challenges, but being able to overcome them is the strength. That's where your resilience comes from. Well, I, I would I would just interject. Life is good if you choose for it to be. I would just interject mm-hmm. that. Okay, and I accept that because <laughs> yeah, because life is challenges, and what you do with those challenges causes you to be either a hero or a victim. Listen, it's all about perspective, and these these are conversations that you know my parents would have would tell me all the time. It's not about what happens to you, but how the, the way that you perceive what is happening to you. Mm-hmm. You know, don't look at obstacles. Look at how you're going to figure out how to get around those obstacles. You know, and that was something that was every day, every day, especially my mother who said I had this challenge, the stories that she would share with me about her own childhood and overcoming her obstacles and having to walk to school. We always had that joke of, you know, I had to walk how many miles to get to school. You have it so easy. You only have to walk a couple of blocks, New York blocks, but blocks. Right. While she walked. Gunslinging. Yeah. (laughs) I I despise the fact that my dad didn't think I was smart enough to understand you cannot go uphill both ways. That, that, that part got me because he said we would walk five miles uphill to a school and five miles back uphill. I was like, what, what, what was the circle? you went? <laughs> Was there a cliff at the end or something? You just fell into your house. Cause that's a lot yeah. of uphill. Yeah, absolutely. Amazing. All right. So we did not finish obviously who you are. So we're going to continue that conversation. Let's give a cliffhanger because um, the audience always is like leaning in at this point when I say this part. What part are you going to start with in the second segment? Don't give them the answer, but just say what part. September 11th. Jeez. Did you have to go there that quick? I mean, that's like, by the way, M13, you know about that, right? M13? M13, the gangs? Yes, I do. Okay. I contacted them and I said, I want you to pay a tribute and take the 13 off and put 911, M911, and they won't do it yet. So try and do my best. Okay. All right. Andrea, take us out with our sponsors. Actually, the umbrella want, syndicate. No, but if you the want to, we can, we can do it with the mute because that's actually a way of saying to people that want to read lips, this is how you're going to do it. 
the Umbrella Syndicate, the Red Carpet Connection, Voice America Influencers Channel, MenFashion.com, Amplifluence, Big Events USA, we haven't mentioned for a while, Bees.Social, MyMakeupLady.com, Amplifluence, and the Ultimate Speaker Challenge. And remember to love on oh, competition. And remember to love on www the keep smiling movement.org where we save lives with smiles by creating a dose of hope to be resilient no matter the challenge and the zinger for you the zinger for you we have a new one we're throwing in there because it's going to be a biggie gail hamilton she has a book coming out called the blind coffee table book and it will be beautiful yeah it's gonna be huge all right awesome we'll see you in a minute love that Mm -hmm. ken roshan or an amplified voice america we'll be back to hear more of Marilyn's story Be sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for us at keyword Voice America. The Umbrella Syndicate amplifies good causes, good people, and good messages. They offer a suite of services that help people and businesses gain better exposure. Through working with the Umbrella Syndicate, you gain the ability to reach an audience of 50,000 unique people a week. They have recently reached over 20,000 followers on Facebook. You can view their photography and how they use it as a strong promotional tool on their Facebook fan page, facebook.com slash The Umbrella Syndicate. Show them your support by liking their page. We don't follow, we lead. Join us, the Voice America Influencers Channel. This is Amplify. To reach the show today, please call 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. We also would love to hear from you via email to info at umbrellasyndicate.com. Now, back to Amplify. All right, all right, all right. And that is not my best impersonation of Matthew McConaughey. But I do want to say that that was inspired by him, at least. So we are back in Washington, D.C., Voice America Influencers Channel, and we are going to continue our riveting conversation with Marilyn. Andrea, are you ready? I am ready. I'm excited. I am too. So during the break, folks, we agreed that everything was going to be inauthentic and not true uh, because we want to say what you want to hear. All right, let's let's not, scratch that plan, Marilyn. I don't think it's going to work. Let's let's just be authentic. Happening. Yeah, not happening. Let's, let's be authentic. <laughs> I mean, even though it's gotten me very far in life, being an authentic. Okay, I, I don't know if it's a if it's something I'd advise other people to do. I don't know, Ken. I've never tried that. I've never tried to be inauthentic. <laughs> well, the first, honestly, the first forty years were the toughest. They were the toughest because people were like, "You're so inauthentic," but it started really taking after that. <laughs> I'm getting yeah, ready no for good. my stand-up. I'm getting ready for my no stand-up. No <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, we're going to continue the saga, as it were, because we couldn't finish in the first segment, and we're going to get to 9-11. So there's some pieces missing of your childhood, your mom and dad, PR, and then 9-11. So let's, let's go on that uh, journey there and get to the 9-11 message. Yeah, so um, I always wanted to go into the medical field as a child. I wanted to actually be a doctor. Um, so when I saw Clara Barton high school, 
in Brooklyn. We happened to drive by it on, on the way to my brother's graduation from high school. And uh, I saw the school and I saw the big caduceus on the school. I was like, oh, my God, I want to go there. But what, what, what caused you to want to be a nurse or a doctor? I just natural, just something that I always wanted to do, even as a little girl. And then my mm. mother shared with me later that that's something she wanted to do when she was in Puerto Rico. Mm. She actually um, was accepted to nursing school and was going to start at the hospital. And I guess my father convinced her otherwise, <laughs> convinced her to marry him instead. <laughs> um, yeah. So she told me, never do that. Career first, men later. <laughs> <laughs> You cannot have yeah. your nurse and husband too. Yeah. Be the nurse first. Do that first. You know, she learned that lesson and instilled it in me. So yeah, she was excited when, when I wanted to do that. And I was, this, I'm a little girl thinking that this is what I wanted to do. Um, so yeah, I, I met my goal. I, I went to Clara Barton high school and I entered nursing. So I'm one of those few nurses out there that became a licensed practical nurse at the age of 17. Wasn't even legal yet. I had a nursing license. And I'm dealing with humans and their lives. Mm. Uh, yeah. So very eye-opening because I entered the program. I was 15 years old. So imagine a 15-year-old taking care of you at the hospital, right? Um, but very eye-opening. And in the 80s, and I'm dating myself, but in the 80s, that's when, you know, AIDS had first come out. So there was all that controversy going on. And, you know, we talk now about COVID and, and immunosuppression and things like that. And here's another virus that's going around. So very similar things are happening, you know, throughout the years. But yes, I became a nurse and trying to figure out then I got married and trying to figure out what I wanted to do next um, in my career. And right before 9-11, I had just made a switch. I was a nursing supervisor at a long-term care facility, decided that I wanted to spend more time with my family because whenever you're in management and in nursing, it's a 24-7 responsibility. And I wanted, I had a little girl who was about to start pre, pre-K, a nine-month-old son. I think it was nine-month-old um, at the time of September 11th. But I, a newborn son. I was you know, pregnant with my son when I decided, you know what, I want to change my life, spend more quality time with my family. So I'm going to go work for the Department of Health of New York City where I can you know, join the school health program and be on the same schedule that my daughter is on. Right? Mm. So we can bond and spend time. This was just a few months prior to all of this happening. So I started you know, in March. You know, I want to comment on that um, very, I guess, startling advice your mom gave you. Nurse, then husband. May I? Why is that startling? It's startling because um, it's, it's good advice, but it may not be the clear, I think, definition I'm trying to help the audience with. May I attempt? Please do. What I think your mom was saying was find your identity so it's not a surprise in your marriage. Well, her message to me mm -hmm. was exactly that and that she wanted me to be independent, mm -hmm. to never have to depend on someone else, yep. to, to know my own self-worth before I entered into a relationship with someone else and that would be questioned or I would have to learn uh, a, a or it'd be a shift or a new conversation or a new Absolutely. argument or a new battle, et cetera. Yeah, I get yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Well, the reason I, I just want to stop there is because relationships would be saved if people said, let me let me get some things in place so when I enter this, I'm a partner or I'm a force or I know my Absolutely. identity. Absolutely. And I shared the same thing with my daughter. Hmm. 
same advice that my mom gave me, I shared with her because it worked for me. You know, I'm almost, I'm 28 years married to my husband. And when I tell you a handful of times that I can say that we've had real disagreements um, because I know who I am, he knows who he is. Mm -hmm. And together we're a force to be reckoned with. I'm not messing with you guys. Good. <laughs> <laughs> and you met my husband too, right? In Maryland. So, you know, yes. yeah. that's awesome. So let's talk about 9-11. Yeah. Cause that conversation I is, uh, it's a new and an old conversation. I mean, just like, you know, Woodstock 99 just came out, you know, that or Netflix. Yes. Yes. And now, yes. now it's a new conversation again. Right. And, and most people, including myself, didn't know what a train wreck it was. And so the point I'm sharing with the audience through you is that 9-11 is not still understood. And there are, there are new revelations and there's people that were there to witness and share what happened in hopes of connecting dots, bringing closure, but more importantly, having people that went through it that can't actually wrap their hands around it, how they can be powerful too. Right. So I always start off talking about that period in my life by wanting to honor those that didn't make it mm -hmm. because the end of their story is the beginning of mine. That day started out as a, as a normal day, just like every other American, especially as New Yorkers, right? Except that it was an unusually warm day for September, beautiful blue sky. And I mention that all the time because my favorite color is blue. So whenever I see blue, I take an extra interest in that color, right? And that day as I was driving to work, the sky was a very vibrant blue. And I remember admiring it as I went over the Williamsburg Bridge from Brooklyn into Manhattan, you know, looking at it and going, oh my God, what a gorgeous day. It also happened to be my seventh wedding anniversary. And, and right before that, my husband had been trying to get me to stay home. He had a day off, but I didn't, right? So he'd been trying to get me to stay home that day. And I was like, nope, this is a new job. I'm not that, I'm not going to be that person to call out, right? When, when work's just starting, I was like, we will celebrate when I get home. Um, so went off from my day and, you know, as many people share their stories, some people didn't speak to their loved ones that day. Some people started their day at the World Trade Center never knowing that that would be their last day on this earth. You know, some people having arguments, you know, very eye-opening when, when something like that faces you. So on that day, I'm at the school that I'm working at, speaking with parents, welcoming children to school, because that was, you know, the first week that children were coming back to school. Um, so I'm in, indoors when when the plane first hits the trade center. Now I'm right there. I'm working in the Lower East Side, just a few miles from the trade center. So I'm seeing it, you know, I'm looking up and I'm looking right at the trade center. Um, so that plane hits, but I'm indoors. So I don't see the impact. I don't see what's going on. I have people running into the school traumatized at this point by what they had just seen walking into the school. They witnessed it, the impact. Uh, you know, the, it, it shook the school that I was in. You know, so we felt it and was like, oh, my God, what is that? You know, and, and hearing and we all thought that it was just a horrible accident, you know, thinking maybe something happened to the pilot, you know, that that he would have, you know, done something like that. Um, and then just a few minutes after that, the second impact. And at that moment, realizing that this was not a mistake, that this was something intentional. And, and in that moment, surrounded by children 
parents, um, pure mayhem in the street. Because as this is happening, people are being told to run, run, just run to get away. But no one knows where they're going. No one knows where they're going. So at one point I decide I get a phone call from a coworker at another school who, again, if anybody who knows New York knows that we have several schools within the same, you know, area. And now she's looking at this and she's calling and, and I pick up the phone and she says to me, they're jumping. I'm not understanding. And I'm like, who, who's jumping? What are you talking about? And she says, the people, they're jumping. She hangs up the phone. I repeat what was just said to me, uh, to my coworker who's in the room with me. And she was like, what is going on? Let's go outside. Let's go out and see what's happening. As I go outside and I look up and now I see the flames, the plane, the people that are running towards me. And I see people who make a decision that day to end their lives. And I can't wrap my mind around this. I cannot. And I, I turn around. I, I can't. I just say to her, I can't. And I go back inside. Um, very hard because all those things that I'm, let me back up. Actually, I'm out there. And the reason I go back in is because there's this group of young women who are running towards me. And because I had a stethoscope around my neck that identified me as a nurse, as a medical professional, they literally grabbed onto me physically grabbed onto me and said, we were told to run. We just came from there. And at this point, the tower, the first tower had fallen and said, we just came from there. They said, run. And I don't know, we don't know where we're going. We're trying to find a train to get us out of the city. And I take them inside with me. At that point, my mother instincts, you know, I grab them, I go, go inside and I can't look at this anymore. But now I have these women that I turn my focus and attention to, and I bring them inside. And obviously everybody's covered in, in debris. Uh, so I bring them up to clean them up, have them call their mothers, because my first thought is their mothers have no idea. They know that they work at the trade center. They don't know what's happened to them. Um, call your mothers, let them know that you're alive, let them know that you're okay. And I will lead you to the train that you need to get out of here. Um, so that happens. And I, I take them back outside and I tell them, this is where you go. You go straight and you don't, don't go any way, but what I'm telling you, and you will run right into the train station that will get you out of here. Um, and then I come back and, and I continue to um, deal with the children that are there. And I remember because we're right there, a lot of parents that had dropped off their children to school went off to work right there. So some of these children were not being picked up. You know, so we became, the school that I worked at became the drop-off for all the children in the area that had no one to come pick them up. So I know I had to stay there. The, the, the interesting about this whole conversation is that before this entire episode happened, two weeks prior to that, the public health nurses of New York City were taken to Columbia University and were taken for something called disaster training by the Red Cross. This is something that you can Google, that you can look up, that's been written about, that we were taken for disaster training two weeks prior to that. And obviously, this is a new job for me. This is something that, you know, the nurses, we all go into training before school begins. Um, you know, we do first aid, we do a lot of different trainings. Um, and this was the first time that this was a part of that training, because I turned to some 
uh, nurses that I had uh, run into um, that were friends of mine from before. And I asked them, you guys go through this every year? Because I found this very unusual um, that they were talking about this. And one of the things that the presenter was talking about is this is not a matter of uh, if it will happen, but when and reference the World Trade Center bombing that happened a few years prior, right? Mm. So now my antennas are, are up and saying, uh, I didn't sign up for this. This wasn't part of what I thought I was going to be doing in this position. And at that time, I said to myself, if uh, something happens in the city, I'm going home. I have a family to go to. I have two small children. If something is happening, I'm going to find my way home. But here it happens two weeks later. And I don't go home. Hmm. I say, and I have a conversation with my own mother who is now home taking care of my children. As she's begging me, because I'm her baby, she's begging me to go home. She's like, you got to get out of there. The city is under attack. You're in danger. And I said to her, mom, I cannot. I have babies that I'm taking care of. You take care of mine. I will make it home. I promise you, I will make it home. I'm safe. That was the last conversation I had with my family hung up because as we all know, all communications went down after that. There were no cell phones. There were no landlines that worked. So that's it. This is in the morning that this happens. And I have this conversation just telling my husband, go get, go get our daughter from school, go home and stay together because the city is under attack and we don't know what's going to happen next. But I promise you that I will make it home to you. And that's it. Communications are gone. Hmm. Well, if you look at the time, we chatted through an hour almost. And Andrea, who always brings great guests from the show, is the producer, executive director of Key Smiling Movement. I always make sure she gets at least one question in. So it'll be a little briefer today because we're, we're trailing into the rapid fire. But this question that she's going to ask you is really important. And I want to make sure it gets asked. Go ahead, Andrea. So <clears throat> you talked about motherhood and Isabella. And <clears throat> due to time, we don't have time to tell Isabella's whole complete story. But I wanted you to share um, about her life and her um, legacy and the be the match um, passion that you have. So if you could encapsulate that for us. Absolutely. So uh, a couple of years after that whole incident, I now moved to New Jersey. I have a daughter in 2007 um, who is perfectly fine and healthy. And at the age of seven months old, we discover that she is now diagnosed with leukemia and not just any leukemia, but JMML leukemia, which is a rare leukemia and whose only treatment was a bone marrow transplant. So with that, you know, you have to find the match in order to give that transplant. And unfortunately, my two other children were not matches for her. And that was her best opportunity to find that match. Um, and my husband and I were only half matches for her. So not enough for her to be able to get her transplant. So we now had to go into the National Registry database in order to find a match for her. So, you know, as her family not being able to help her or save her life, we now have to rely on a stranger to save her life. So fortunately, she did find her match out there. But, you know, in that process, we learned that it was, the was, of, was her match uh, Puerto Rican. Absolutely not. Was her match a man or a woman? It was a man, a Caucasian man 
who actually had a grandmother who was of Mexican descent. Hmm. And because of that small amount of diversity in his background, was able to match a little Puerto Rican girl in New Jersey. Wow. Yeah, I always, I always ask people that say that they're against a certain race or certain something. I go, if they saved your life, would that change how you feel about them? <laughs> right, absolutely not. And that just that just speaks to how connected we are as humans, mm-hmm. right? That yeah. any, any amount of diversity that you have, be proud of that because that man saved my daughter's life. You know, something that we as her family and extended family could not do because everyone got tested and none of us were matches. Is he alive? He is alive. Do you keep do you, do you keep in touch with him? Yes, his name is Mike, and I always say that Mike, my hero. <laughs> so you're telling me that Mike might be in the dose of hope. Mike needs to be in the dose of hope. Absolutely. Well, I say that because it takes an <laughs> extraordinary person to say, "My body is someone else's, especially a stranger's." Yes, and bigger than that is that he joined the registry a month before my daughter, my daughter's transplant. He wasn't even on the registry. That's he cool. actually, he actually joined for a co-worker's daughter who also had leukemia, hoping hmm. to be her match and immediately was notified, no, but there's another little girl who's in need and will you say yes? And he said there was no question in his mind that he needed to do that. So you have yeah. a book coming out. Book's coming out in January of 2023. I disagree. I disagree. Why do you disagree? I think it's coming out at the end of the year. The sooner the better, right, Ken? Yeah, well, it's it's just that it's about momentum, but it's also it's your gift. And I th- I think I heard about this holiday called Christmas that has a lot of gifts. Uh-huh. Yeah. So we're gonna go into rapid fire. I just want to say on the air that if it comes out in December, the seed was planted correctly. How about that? That's fantastic. All right. So we ask um, rapid fire questions for rapid fire answers, so our audience can get to know your programming, what you prioritize to be the best recommendation for other people to experience to be as powerful as you. You ready? I'm ready. What book changed your life? The Four Agreements. Boom. That is a great one. I love when I, I give, hear that one. I give that out to nurses. And, yes. Miguel, and Miguel needs to come on the show. You need to tell him that because you read his book, he's getting on the show. Oh, listen, I need to meet Miguel. <laughs> yeah. Well, we, we're going we're gonna to be on a quest because this is like the hundredth time I've heard his book. All right. Really? Yeah. Let's get a hold of Miguel. Miguel, are you hearing <laughs> this? We want you on the show. All right, your question, Andrea. What's a song that you play to get you jazzed up and moving? Um, Unstoppable by Sia. Okay. Uh, What movie inspires you? Beaches. Watch your language. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, this is a family show. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. keep practicing. (laughs) (laughs) Andrea? Who's the person, a living or dead, that you'd like to meet? Living or dead that I would like to meet. I would say Mother Teresa. Okay. And who's your hero? My mother. And that's the Ken for time. Okay. Uh, What time is it? I'm just kidding. Okay. See, that was a quick question, wasn't it? Um, What? We can tell you're really working for Wednesday. (laughs) Uh, So what what quote do you live by? Do to others as you would want done to you. Awesome. You passed, by the way. (laughs) <laughs> you, did, you did great i think everyone in the audience is going to say yeah that was a real deal so thank you very much for being not just on our show but being vulnerable on our show to share two amazing stories what you're up to and the fact that you're playing so big that the book may show up before your end hey <laughs> give a shout out it. to your uh, give a shout out to your friend who wrote a children's book about dementia 
I will. I absolutely will. No, but do it now. Do it now. Say, say their name. I'd like to have permission. Oh, uh, you'd like to have permission. Well, let me. Oh, is her book published? I mean, it's out. Is, is it on Amazon? It's out. I don't. I don't know how. How you know how far she's gotten. She just sent me a quick oh, message. Oh, so her book is on an Amazon. Oh, yet. it's not. Okay. We not thought it was Amazon. already published. Okay. So we were about to send a gush of people to Amazon to go get it. So until <laughs> I, I get it. So I, I misunderstood. So she is in the process still. She and, has written the book as far as what she told me, but I need more information from her. It was a little connection. And I, and she told me about the dementia piece, which is important. Well, I would encourage uh, you and her to have that conversation soon, because here's the, here's the important thing about this is when someone writes a book, they actually want to make a difference in the world and they want their name said, and she doesn't get her name said today, just so you know. So you can say my name every single time there is someone that invites you to say anything about dementia, Alzheimer's, keep smiling, and probably 4,000 other words in the dictionary, period. I will. Absolutely. In fact, Absolutely. if they just say it, just say, and I'd like to talk about Dr. Smiley real quick. And just every time, just always say, I'd like to talk about Dr. Always. Smiley. <laughs> <laughs> As a take the opportunity. I will do. I will do. I will All right. Do. So uh, thank you, Marilyn. You've been Amplified, which is amplifying the life of a leader that brings community inspiration to the world. Thank you so much for being on our show. And we look forward to supporting you on all the other endeavors you have, especially your books. And thank you for sharing uh, your very inspiring story. I, I felt it and I know I tried it too. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me here today. You're welcome. And Andrea. thank you to bees.social, the umbrella syndicate, ample affluence, the red carpet connection, voice America influence channel, uh, menfashion.com, my makeup lady.com, perfect publishing and www.thekeepsmilingmovement.com org where we save lives with smiles by creating a dose of hope to be resilient no matter the challenge and for Marilyn, please go visit be the match and uh, sign up to be a bone marrow registry uh on the registry so that you can be a donor it's a quick swab no big deal doesn't hurt at all there you go and i've never done this before Marilyn, but because of what you did two great stories two pin drops <laughs> How about that? This is Ken Roshan on Amplified Influencer Channel. We will see you next week. Stay amplified and definitely inspire people so much that they say you have to be in a dose of hope. We hope you've enjoyed this week's edition of Amplified. Be sure to join Ken Roshan again next Monday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time and 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Now, go get your message heard.